Welcome to the Pictures of Lily podcast. I'm your host, Lily Moayeri. I have been a music journalist since 1992, and I interview a lot of music-related people. This podcast, which is named after the song by The Who, is about my experience behind the story, what my experience is doing the interviews, just to give you a snapshot of what it's like on the other side of the digital recorder. Pictures of Lily. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Pictures of Lily podcast. This is episode 65. We publish monthly with a new episode posting on the second Wednesday of each month. You can find us on every platform by going to picturesoflily.com, where you can subscribe or follow us and also connect to us on Instagram, SoundCloud, YouTube, Pandora, and Amazon. Although it's really best to listen to the podcast straight from the source at picturesoflily.com, as it is the highest quality audio and avoids copyright restrictions. This episode is on my many years of many different experiences with Beth Orton. You walked into my house last night I couldn't help but notice A light that was long gone Still burning strong You were sitting Your fingers like fuses Your eyes were cinnamon Here are a few snapshots of my experiences with Beth Orton. I met Beth through the Chemical Brothers in the mid-90s when she was one of the featured vocalists on their debut album, Exit Planet Dust, on the song Alive Alone. Even though Beth's voice and musical style were, and are, more in folk music singer-songwriter world, she was an honorary member of the electronic dance music scene in the UK. It was a good situation for her as it meant more opportunities for wider audiences and provided a bridge between acoustic and electronic music. I really liked her being able to live in both worlds as that's how I've always felt I have been. One foot in guitar band land and one foot in DJ land. The year after Exit Planet Dust, Beth released what's considered her first official album, Trailer Park. Although she did have a previous one called Super Pinky Mandy that she recorded with yet another electronic music producer, William Orbit. I don't remember too much about my early interviews with Beth, not who I interviewed her for or what she said. I do remember every magazine being interested in a story on her, and everyone thinking she was super serious. But in reality, Beth can be a pretty big goofball. She tells all kinds of corny jokes throughout her performances, which really pulls the audience out of that introspective place that her music takes them. When I went to interview Beth for her second album, Central Reservation, she was here in Los Angeles and I went to meet her at some part of town I've never been to. This was before the days of Google and Google Maps and I have no idea how I got there or where there was. When I got to Beth, she asked me to take her to this medical facility somewhere even further out than we already were. I somehow figured out how to get there. She registered herself and we just sat there waiting for them to call her. She was so sad and in so much pain, it was almost unbearable. But in a way, I was happy that first of all, she felt comfortable enough with me to ask me to take her to a doctor. And second of all, that it was me and not someone else because between my mother and my father, I have so much hospital experience. I am the right person for that situation. Besides being very sick, Beth was also emotionally fragile. 
It was close to the holidays and we were talking about not having our moms around and having lost them early in our lives. She asked me how I dealt with things like Christmas. And I told her we didn't celebrate Christmas so it wasn't a sensitive holiday and that I had my father who was a rock for me and for a while I also had my sister. I told her that my father stepped into the role of my mother when she was gone and as terrible as it was, it was not as bad as it could be because of him and how he takes care of everything. After a certain point, Beth told me she was okay to be there on her own and that I should go. I was feeling very protective of her and I really didn't want to leave her there alone. And I was worried about how she would get back to wherever she needed to go next. But I could also tell that she needed to be by herself with her pain. I interviewed Beth not long ago about her newest album, Weather Alive, and we ended up talking about that day. Beth has no recollection of it at all, but this is what she told me. I just want to say thank you. I know this sounds weird, but in the last 10 years, I've stopped using drugs and alcohol as a way to numb out. And I feel this sounds really corny, but there's a bit of me that feels a bit like a protective big sister to who I was, who wants to defend and protect that person. I want to thank you for taking care of me as if I were my own big sister. I know it sounds weird, but I would thank you as that. Many years later, it turns out that Beth has Crohn's disease, which was what was keeping her in such pain. Beth told me in our last interview that she felt she had to keep everything a secret, plus she didn't actually know what was going on with her at the time. I told her that I absolutely understood why she felt that way and that it was a stretch for her to even allow me to wait with her for as long as she did. This is what she said about that. When you live with chronic pain, you forget to tell people until it's gone beyond what you know, and then it comes as a surprise to everyone. Beth told me I must have thought she was mental never mentioning that trip to the hospital for all the years that followed and all the times I saw her. And she asked why I never brought it up before. I told her that I thought it was our secret and that it would be weird and awkward if I brought it up. Turns out it's not so much a secret as a suppressed memory. For a lot of the North American tours that Beth did, her drummer was an old friend of mine, Wildcat Will Blanchard. I met Will when he was in the Sandals in the early 90s. Because of Will, I ended up hanging out extensively with Beth and her band every time they came through town. I remember this one other time distinctly when she was playing the House of Blues here in Los Angeles. I was supposed to interview her at Soundcheck and I was waiting outside the venue for them to turn up. When they did turn up, she ignored me, which was not like her at all. I followed them into the venue and waited for soundcheck to be done, but Beth kept avoiding me. The interview didn't get done at that time, and I was really surprised that Beth was acting so out of character. After the show, I wasn't trying to interview her, but she kept evading me anyway. A day or so after, I got a message on my voicemail from her, which was so vulnerable, saying she just couldn't face doing an interview at that moment, and that when she saw my face, she just couldn't deal with it, and that she was so sorry, and that she hoped we were okay. <laughs> It was a really very sweet message and very unexpected, but I was still hurt by the way she had avoided me, especially as I felt she could have just told me, I can't do this interview right now. Can we do it over the phone in a few days? We did the interview, which was for Anthem magazine, and I put what she said on the voicemail into the article, and it ended up being one of my better pieces on Beth. 
In a strange twist, I went to see Beth perform with Will in 2012 when he wasn't drumming for her anymore and we were both in the audience. No way of knowing if she's ever coming back. No way of knowing if I can I'm happy to report that Beth is doing great. She lived here in Los Angeles with her family, which includes a son and a daughter, for a few years. She's back in London where she didn't expect to be, but her dual life as a mother and a musician is finding a balance. When we spoke last, it was the morning that Queen Elizabeth had passed away. Beth told me about it four hours before it was announced, but swore me to secrecy. She has a friend that works with the royals or something like that, and she had tipped Beth off. And Beth told me an anecdotal story about meeting the Queen. Here's the story from Beth. There was me and Jeanette Lee and Jarvis and Mick Jones from The Clash. We were all in the cheap seats at the palace. That was the good thing about our room. The palace is really faded. It was peeling, the gin and tonics were a bit warm, and the lemon was a bit old, and the ice was a bit melted. But our room was a kind of raggle-taggle. There was such a sweet little group of us. It was really fun. We were all chatting away and really laughing. But next door was the posh room. Everyone was in a line. All the posh people like the Rolling Stones and Eric Clapton all stood in line shaking her hand. But our group was just having a laugh. It was probably really politically incorrect that we were there at all. It's not exactly very punk rock to be there, but at least we were there actually having a laugh. She has all these aides and they come around and ask who you are. She went rogue and peeled off over to our group because we were having a genuinely good time and she was like, who are you? and they all came running up behind. We actually had a very genuine chat with her for a minute. And that was Beth's meeting the queen story. Worms don't dance, they haven't got the balls. No matter how do you do, it's just you do that so. You got what it takes to knock up my door. You wanna get all excited, had never been here before. And that is my snapshot of a very few of my experiences with Beth Orton. I have a few bits and pieces I've written about Beth linked at picturesoflily.com if you do a search, but most of my interviews with her have been for print magazines that are no longer available other than at my house. My latest interview with her, which was for Under the Radar magazine, might be out by the end of this year, but more likely in 2023. In our next episode, I'm going to be talking about my lifetime of connections with Gugush, the timeless Iranian singer whom I wrote about for Spin magazine. From myself and my co-producer, director, editor, Lauren Schroeder, thanks for listening. And if you have a chance to subscribe or follow the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, please do so and please rate and review. You can connect to us on picturesoflily.com and from there you can choose your preferred podcast platform or Instagram or SoundCloud or YouTube or Pandora or Amazon. You can also find the playlist for the podcast episodes on Spotify and YouTube. There's also a Pictures of Lily newsletter, which goes out when each podcast episode posts with a bonus newsletter in between that you can subscribe to on picturesoflily.com. And don't forget to check out Lawrence's curated playlist on Spotify each Friday. Just search for his artist name, Regal Standard. 
While you're at it, make sure to check out Understanding, his first single as Regal Standard. And he also has a side band called The Zits with a few songs on SoundCloud that I'll link in this episode. Thanks for listening. Pictures of Lily.